It's a little bit like psychological edging. And good money. Like, there's another dumb fin dumb called Brady Nikki. She makes $50 million in profit in a year. How long are we doing this for? What are the limits? What are the safe words? And aftercare, which we will come to. Come on. Morning, Tanya. Morning, Maya. How are we this bright Monday morning? Good. It started off a bit sluggish, hey? It did, but it's looking really good for the women's rallies today. I'm really excited about that. Hell yeah. Uh, Now, Tanya, we had a pretty big chat about a fortnight ago on uh, rehash on consent, but it was a good chat. It was a good chat in light of a lot of things happening recently. Yeah. And we kind of on that got the idea to talk about what we're going to talk about this week, which is about dominatrixes and continuing on that discussion we had super briefly about BDSM. Um, Yeah, it's like the BDSM meeting the consent world. It's a good chat today. Yeah, and (laughs) I mean, before we were also talking about uh, chastity belts and we kind of had alluded to the whole like dubs, dub, dom, sub, what a way to morph the two, Um, (laughs) dub, sub relationships. And we thought this week it might be interesting to talk a little bit more about doms and dominatrixes. And in true let's talk about sex fashion, this is a topic with a certain reputation and we, and by we I mean you, because you are the expert (laughs) here, um, are here to demystify and talk through some of the myths surrounding it. Now, I'm sure you who are listening are probably thinking, all right, this is all about being tied up, being spanked. Tanya, what are some of the complexities that people might not really realise come into um, dom and dom's relationships or what is what are the complexities that people might not be aware of? Oof, that's I always say that, don't I? That's a really big question. They always are <laughs> <laughs> the ones we do. It is it's it's a lot to talk about in a small amount of time. So um, I think when people think about a dom or a dominatrix, they do think of more some of the more obvious elements of BDSM. But maybe it's worth us exploring what the term BDSM Definitely. actually means. So BDSM stands for bondage and discipline, dominance and submissives, and sadism and masochism, right? So it's three things morphed into a little four-letter thing. Um, bondage and discipline is where the dominant is restraining the submissive in some way, some fashion, and also training them to behave in certain ways. So it's a bit of punishment and training sort of thing. There's punishment and reward in there. Uh, Dominants and submissives, they're people who gain sexual or erotic pleasure from controlling another person or from giving up their control to another person, either within a scene or for all or part of a relationship. Sadists are people who derive sexual or erotic pleasure from inflicting pain on willing and consensual partners. And masochists are those who derive sexual or erotic pleasure from pain being delivered consensually. There What BDSM stands for, I'm sure you were wondering. (laughs) Um, There's a lot in that. Yeah. Yeah. So much to unpack. And I think... Even so, it's also worth going into that it's not all like, I'm just going to put on some leather or some yeah. ropes, or ropes or use a whip, for example. Yeah. It's um, very complex. There's a lot more to it than off the face. Um, and I know that people can uh, use a dominatrix or engage their services for a lot of different things. 
Um, can you tell us about a bit about financial domination? Ah, fin doming. Yes, this is this is really interesting because I. I read about this a little while ago and was like, oh, that's quite fascinating. And it's a really interesting way of using the dom-sub relationship without inflicting physical pain. Yeah. <laughs> Fiscal pain is another thing. Right? <laughs> so fin-doming is the practice of signing over some or all of your finances to a dominatrix. So it could be like a one-off transaction or it could be a gift. It could be regular payments or you could actually give over your passwords and access to an entire bank account or all the finances. So I've read about people giving their entire salary over to FinDoms and then having to ask permission to spend for things. Um, it's quite interesting. In most of the cases, people involved in this don't ever meet. They, uh, they do yeah, it all right. online. There's apps. Uh, it's also referred to now as tech doming. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for this kind of a thrill, you can find them at uh, www.findom.com. Uh, and for some of the exchanges, the dominatrix, dominatrix might have a sex charge discussion with you or they might simply call you a pay pig <laughs> and demand <laughs> your money. Uh, it's a little bit like psychological edging, right? This is all about the game. Mm. Mm. I mean, I feel like maybe what comes more into this whole realm is rather than this idea of like physical pain, but some kind of fascination with risks. Yes, and it's the handing over of control. Yeah, right. That this is so. It's really in the domination and submission part of BDSM. There's a real thrill for folk to give over the control of their body, what they're doing a certain amount of time, and their finances. Think about money as power. Oh, totally. Right? Yeah, there's, it's, it's such a powerful thing to give away. And I know we're going to unpack a little bit more of this as we go on because there are some really fun and interesting things that these <laughs> fendoms get up to. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to jump into a cheeky song. If you're listening, just tuned in, Let's Talk About Sex is a fortnightly uh segment on sexual health and wellness demystifying the myths making everything shame-free and if you've got any questions or anything you want any extra clarity on don't ever hesitate to drop tanya and i a line on 0409 945 945 the text line is always open and if we don't get time to answer your questions this week we always do the following time absolutely and on that uh this song needs a language warning it's rat tally with shrug You're on FBI Radio, and this is Mornings. I'm joined by Tanya Coons for Let's Talk About Sex, and we are talking about dom and sub relationships, dominatrixes, uh, tech domination in particular. And I want to ask you, Tanya, I've read, as per uh, the plug from Jenna, the lovely <laughs> producer for Let's yes. Talk About Sex, that there is a dom called Mistress Harley who has cornered the market in tech domination. Can you tell me more? Uh, yes, I went and looked her up because she's quite an interesting character. She's written about 20 books on this, this subject. She also does a number of things, but she reckons she coined the term tech domination. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. But she 
She's made a living as a dominatrix and she's now using technology, of course. And we keep talking about how technology is weaving its way into our sex lives. And here is yet another way. So she has clients that are like slaves and she will tell them, right, you need to go and buy a Google Nest and install cameras all around your house and then I can look at you all the time and then I can come in and say, get down on your knees or do this or do that. And basically she's telling them what to do. And she talks about she, some of the clients, some of the things that clients ask her to do is one client asked her to force him to live as a woman and then if he didn't comply, threatened to out him to his mother or his boss and he provided those contact details. So when it got close to the time, if he had been a bad boy and that she was going to go ahead with that threat, he would then offer to pay her $5,000, $10,000 to not do that. So the thrill for him was in the negotiation of being a naughty boy and mm. trying to pay his way out of it. And then once it was over, they would start that negotiation again because he'd feel the need for that, the high of the negotiation. Yeah, damn. It's I'm, good money. Like there's another dumb uh, fin dumb called Brady Nikki. She makes $50 million in profit in a year. Oh. Yeah. She's got a site called IWantClips.com and uh, she, she was saying that one of her clients spent $1.6 million on her site in oh a year. Oh, my God. I know. I'm just like, wow, who are these people? So I think it's also important to note that a lot of these fin doms have very close relationships with their clients. So they might only have a few clients. Um and sometimes because they're close, they've stopped seeing or interacting with them if they suspect they have, there's stuff at play like mental illness or the clients aren't doing so well. Mm. So it, it, you know, it can sound very mercenary and like I'm taking your money and doing ridiculous things. But what we need to remember is that this is negotiated and consensual and there are contracts, agreements and limitations there. Absolutely. Plus it's coming from a caring space mostly. Yeah, I mean, I think there is definitely a bit of a misconception in this space generally, Yeah, which we hope if you're listening, you can kind of get the feeling that there's so much more to it. And precisely what you just said, Tanya, that there is a big discussion about consent and limits before anything yeah. starts, let alone goes any further. Yeah. But it does feel as though pretty much whatever your kink is, there's a dom out there for you. <laughs> Um, and obviously there are lots of people out there with kinks and different kinds of kinks who explore these with a partner. Um, but why might someone want to explore them with a professional dom instead, beyond looking beyond embarrassment? Yeah. Well, I think the most obvious reason is if you're partnered, your partner may not want to do that stuff, right? I get lots and lots of couples coming to see me where one person's like, hooray, let's try this. I'm so excited by it. And their partner's looking at them askance, going, absolutely not. I will not be deigning to do anything like that. Uh, so sometimes they go with permission. Sometimes they don't go with permission. Sometimes um, they might be single and unable to find sexual partners who are into the same things. A lot of the time people see professionals because they want to learn new things and try new things and they want to be assured of safety. So professionals are all over the safety aspects. They have trained, they have learned, they have trained under experts and they're fully aware of that stuff. Um, and they can explore things that they've thought of but don't really know how to go about doing because a professional will have a, a wide bag of tricks and be able to, to draw on that. And for some folks, it really could be the enactment of secret fantasies that they've had for a long time and suppressed. You know, so a trip to a pro-dom might be really 
big deal for them and a sort of unlocking of a part of their sexuality. Mm. And I want to ask, what is the role of control versus humiliation? Because I think this is also a pretty big point and big misconception. Yeah. Is it both or one or the other? It's whatever is negotiated. Humiliation is not a natural part of domination. It it is a thing that you ask for or require. So if you look at control, that's the handing over of power and that is negotiated in terms of how long, what is entailed, what limitations there are and what safe words we're going to use and aftercare. Hmm. If you're looking at humiliation, it is just that. It's speaking down to a person, calling them names, shaming them about their kink, about their sexuality, about their body, about their clothes. And again, this needs to be negotiated in terms of how long we're doing this for, what are the limits, what are the safe words, and aftercare, which we will come and talk a little bit more about. Yes, we will talk about uh, aftercare and generally the reputation of dominatrixes in society, socioculturally <laughs> right after this Khadija Al-Hanafi track featuring DJ Earl Walk With Me is the name. If you've got any questions 0409 945 945 is the number drop us a line. Tunis uh, Khadija Al-Hanafi, Walk With Me, featuring DJ Earl. My name's Maya Bilek. I'm joined by Tanya Coons. We are on Let's Talk About Sex. And if you've been listening or you've just tuned in, uh, we have been chatting about dominatrixes, the relationship between a dominatrix and their client-dom-sub relationships. Um, but we want to talk more broadly about reputation I guess like in mainstream society uh, dominatrixes or even subs have this uh, reputation of being people who inflict pain and humiliate others but really they and people within the kink community tend to be much more engaged with consent which is more than just an idea I think Um, consent and care especially when it comes to sexual acts yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, we need to remember they dominatrices do inflict pain and humiliation, but only when it's been negotiated. That's the thing to remember. People will think that there's a whole bunch of mean folk running around dressed up in PVC and latex being horrible to people and, you know, there's a whole stigma around that. But you've got to remember that this is uh, a practice that's been going on for quite a long time and... When we think about consent, culture and practice, it's originated in sex work and kink communities. These folk are the cutting edge in this area and we can learn a lot from them. Mm -hmm. They're the folks that have been out there doing things because it's necessary. I mean, sex workers always have to ensure that there's consent to ensure their safety and their survival. And in the case of kink practices, you can really, really fuck people up if you get it wrong. Mm. So you need to learn about stuff and you need to look at dangerous things. So it's it's not only the kink play but power, what you're negotiating. You've got to look at what's okay and what's not okay. I think when you think about it, um, you need to negotiate your psychological and your physical safety. Absolutely. And that means putting in things like safe words, when you can stop. It means doing aftercare, which we'll come to. And I think, too, there's a lot of doms who won't take 
requests or bookings if the activities requested are dangerous or they're concerned about their client's mental health. For example, there's quite a few Sydney doms who've been approached by a potential client wanting them to run him over in a car. And very rightly, they have refused to do that because that's not safe, right? Right down to little things like leaving marks on people's bodies. Some folk really like a souvenir and they want to share photos of this after their exchange but for other people they don't want any evidence at all of what they've been up to Mm. so we're all in the negotiation yeah and I think it's very important to inform you listening that dominatrixes do have a sense of their own agency as well and their own limits and their own lines of negotiation for themselves Absolutely. They don't have to do anything. So clients can ring up, say, I want to do this, and they're like, I'm sorry, that's not my gig. Yeah. Right? Everybody does different things. And we've been talking about, you know, some people won't do humiliation play because it's outside of their their stuff. Other people might only do, like, corporal punishment, you know, spanking scenes and household objects. They don't want to get into bondage, for example. Other folks are really good at tying people up and rope. It's, It's really you need to have a look at what you're into and there'll be people who specialise in things. Mm. But never, ever, ever assume that someone's going to do what you want. I think there's a lot of issue with punters sort of trying to coerce professional workers into doing things they don't want to do. The answer is going to be a, a swift and thorough no. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you've mentioned aftercare a few times. Yes. What is it? Why is it a big thing in dom-sub relationships? And can you talk us through through it all why yeah. what, what is it why is it important it's it's not just dumb sub relationships this is in all of kink areas i think aftercare is very important if you are going to engage in activities that push boundaries and release endorphins create highs and are challenging in their nature then it's important to check in afterwards to see how folk are traveling for example imagine you're engaging in humiliation play and it might be really hot at the time but afterwards you're like holy hell what did I say to my girlfriend or my partner or I can't believe I asked somebody to call me that or to spit on me or to do this stuff. So shame can kick in. So it's really, really important then to debrief and have a chat about it. There's also a thing called top drop, right? So the person who's doing the thing, it could be a spanking or the humiliating or the tying up, needle play, whatever it may be, will be elevated after play. They get as high as a kite because it's exciting, they're doing their thing, but it's not unusual to have a drop after that. And it's not unlike Suicide Tuesday for those familiar with club culture, right? We've all, you know, attained an ecstatic state and then dropping out of it. And there's a similar thing called subspace where the submissive or the bottom who's been receiving can drop into a trance-like state And when they come back to earth, they can be quite discombobulated, disoriented, confused. They need to hydrate. They need to debrief, maybe have a blanket around them. And aftercare also includes calling and checking in a day or two later because these things do affect us and they run deep. It's pretty important that we do this. Do you think this idea of debriefing is something that can be incorporated generally to most people's sex lives, whether they are with or without kinks, how can we do this? I think we should have negotiation for everything that we do. I always say that a little quick chat before we get naked gets us much more pleasure and much less stress, right? And and you know I like to talk about Betty Martin's wheel of consent. This applies really to everything we do in life. The first question you need to ask yourself is, who is this for, 
right? It needs to be really clear and then the giving of consent will be clear. You know, and I think I've said this before, you know, a conversation that goes, hey, babe, would you like a massage? And babe goes, yeah. Um, sounds like it's consent, but we haven't worked out who it's for. It could be like, hey, babe, would you like a massage because I really want to touch your butt? That's a great reason. Um, or I'd really like this to lead to sex. That's also a good reason. Or I can see you need some pain relief. Also a good reason. It's very clear, hmm. right? So the first two reasons, the first two who is it for's would be for the person giving the massage. And the last reason would be for the person receiving, right? So, uh, or if you're agreeing, it could be like, yes, my shoulders are sore. Or yes, I'm agreeing that we can get sexy after a massage. So that it's, it's really clear and there's no room for misunderstanding. Hmm. You need to work out if the massage is, or whatever you're doing, if it's for you, are you giving or are you taking? And if it's uh, if you're consenting to it, are you receiving or are you allowing? Right? There's some real real big things in there. And just general things. We were talking last week, uh, you know, would you like a hug? Mm. Little tiny things like that really, really help because we don't realise some folk don't like touch or aren't as into hugs as we are. Or things change from day to day. Like a hug might have been fine yesterday, but not today because we might be feeling a bit tender. Yeah, and don't do the whole, like, I'm a really hugging person, so I'm just going to, like, throw <laughs> throw myself <laughs> on you. And Because also people are like, oh, you're huggy. I have to allow this. No, no, you don't. So something as simple as would you like a hug really gives space for that. Yeah. Yeah, and thanking people for their no is such a beautiful thing to do and it creates safety all around. And on that, we are going to leave you with a little warm and fuzzy right there. Tanya, thank you so much for popping through your jetting off to the Women's March. I am indeed. Got my sneakers on, ready to go. We <laughs> will be back with Let's Talk About Sex in a Fortnight. But in the meantime, you can listen back to today's show, past episodes at fbiradio.com slash programs. And also wherever you get your podcasts from, just look up FBI Radio and Let's Talk About Sex will be there. 